welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wayne Ruffin. I pray all is well with everyone and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else. As we tighten the divine bond between ourselves and our own I Am Presence, the spirit of the living God within us, those higher qualities of love and light flourish, and the love and light within each and every one, those of us who sincerely make the effort, expand tremendously to reach all mankind in all corners of the world. Understand, to consciously bond with our I Am Presence is a crucial step in life and we should all strive to achieve it at some point before we die. This is not only for the upliftment of our own individual spirits, but it's conducive to the restructuring of mankind's collective consciousness and attitudes. For, as we continuously radiate more love and light into the atmosphere, we play a divine part in raising the vibration of Mother Earth and all her inhabitants. So, whether some believe it or not, or accept it or not, it is indeed the truth of life that all creation in the universe thrive on love and light. And we have the power within us, each and every one, to be and radiate that love and light through our divine bond with our own I Am Presence. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life, and y'all be loved. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1 26-31 And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
What we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2. We are co-workers in God's service, you are God's field, God's building. 1 Corinthians 3 9. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. 1 Corinthians 3 16-23「ISIS Unveiled」Chapter 14. The date of the hundreds of pyramids in the valley of the Nile is impossible to fix by any of the rules of modern science, but Herodotus informs us that each successive king erected one to commemorate his reign, and serve as his sepulchre. But, Herodotus did not tell all, although he knew that the real purpose of the pyramid was very different from that which he assigns to it. Were it not for his religious scruples, he might have added that, externally, it symbolized the creative principle of nature, and illustrated also the principles of geometry, mathematics, astrology, and astronomy. Internally, it was a majestic fane, in whose somber recesses were performed the mysteries, and whose walls had often witnessed the initiation scenes of members of the royal family. The porphyry sarcophagus, which Professor Piazzi Smith, astronomer royal of Scotland, degrades into a corn bin, was the baptismal font, upon emerging from which, the neophyte was born again, and became an adept. Herodotus gives us, however, a just idea of the enormous labor expended in transporting one of these gigantic blocks of granite. It measured 32 feet in length, 21 feet in width, and 12 feet in height. Its weight he estimates to be rising 300 tons, and it occupied 2,000 men for three years, to move it from Syene to the Delta, down the Nile. Glidden, in his Ancient Egypt, quotes from Pliny a description of the arrangements for moving the obelisk erected at Alexandria by Ptolemaeus Philadelphus. A canal was dug from the Nile to the place where the obelisk lay. Two boats were floated under it, they were weighted with stones containing one cubic foot each, and the weight of the obelisk having been calculated by the engineers, the cargo of the boats was exactly proportioned to it, so that they should be sufficiently submerged to pass under the monolith as it lay across the canal. Then, the stones were gradually removed, the boats rose, lifted the obelisk, and it was floated down the river. H.P. Blavatsky In the Egyptian section of the Dresden, 
or Berlin Museum, we forget which, is a drawing which represents a workman ascending an unfinished pyramid, with a basket of sand upon his back. This has suggested to certain Egyptologists the idea that the blocks of the pyramids were chemically manufactured in loco. Some modern engineers believe that Portland cement, a double silicate of lime and alumina, is the imperishable cement of the ancients. But, on the other hand, Professor Carpenter asserts, that the pyramids, with the exception of their granite casing, is formed of what geologists call nummulitic limestone. This is newer than the old chalk, and is made of the shells of animals called nummulites, like little pieces of money about the size of a shilling. However this move question may be decided, no one, from Herodotus and Pliny, down to the last wandering engineer who has gazed upon these imperial monuments of long crumbled dynasties, has been able to tell us how the gigantic masses were transported and set up in place. Brunson concedes to Egypt an antiquity of 20,000 years. But even in this matter we would be left to conjecture if we depended upon modern authorities. They can neither tell us for what the pyramids were constructed, under what dynasty the first was raised, nor the material of which they are built. All is conjecture with them. Professor Smith has given us by far the most accurate mathematical description of the Great Pyramid to be found in literature. But after showing the astronomical bearings of the structure, he so little appreciates ancient Egyptian thought, that he actually maintains that the porphyry sarcophagus of the king's chamber is the unit of measure for the two most enlightened nations of the earth, England and America. One of the books of Hermes describes certain of the pyramids as standing upon the seashore, the waves of which dashed in powerless fury against its base. This implies that the geographical features of the country have been changed, and may indicate that we must accord to these ancient granaries, magico-astrological observatories, and royal sepulchres an origin antedating the upheaval of the Sahara and other deserts. This would imply rather more of an antiquity than the poor few thousands of years, so generously accorded to them by Egyptologists. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 Beloved ones of our heart, beloved of the light, beloved of this land of freedom, we come tonight to anchor in and around you as much love as possible, to protect you, to illumine you, to purify, heal, and raise everything in your being and worlds into the heart flame of our love, that everything of distress and limitation may be cut away, dissolved and consumed, and the light of your own blessed mighty I am presence reveal its heart love to the rest of the universe. I often want to do everything I can to remind the I am student body of my presence, because until you recognize that it is the sacred fire love that changes conditions in the physical world permanently and constructively, until you will use this all the time, you have blessings from the outer world for a time, then you draw our sacred fire love for a time, then again the outer takes your attention. And it goes back and forth, when you could just as well set the habit and remember always, as you call to your beloved I am presence, call to the beloved seven mighty Elohim at the same time, for our sevenfold flame of our heart's love in and around your own life stream, to blaze more power into you and through you and around you, to give you victory, to hold you harmonious, and to bring you whatever you need from the outer world. Now, our sacred fire love has a twofold action. We draw from the great central sun and our temples of the sacred fire, the sacred fire love into the brain structure through the sevenfold flame of the seven mighty Elohim, but we also have within that love, 
the power to see into the outer world and draw from the outer world into your outer use, that which will assist your mighty I am presence to fulfill its divine plan within you as well as around you. So it is a twofold action from the great central sun as well as through the constructive things in this world that we can bring into your outer use, as you remember our presence within you. Beloved Elohim of Peace I think you don't quite understand what a divine being you are. I know you haven't thought so, and you do not think so of other life streams very frequently, once in a while. But you are really a divine being, because you have the sacred fire from the heart of creation within and around you, and that is you, and we love you. So, we enfold you in our heart flame of love from the great central sun, to help you more quickly expand the sacred fire of your own heart's flame, reveal its divine plan, send its blessing to the rest of the universe, and use the things in this world constructively, so you may have more to use. As soon as you use everything constructively, your beloved I Am Presence and the seven mighty Elohim, will always bring into your outer use more and more of the constructive activities of the physical world, to enable you to bless them and raise them into greater and greater light, until they, too, become the sacred fire of our love. This is a constant raising activity of the substance of the structure of the earth, and the atmosphere, the waters of the planet. It's a constant raising of everything in this world into the greater purity and perfection of our sacred fire love. Down through the centuries, in many civilizations and many nations of the world, mankind has been shown a crown or a band around the head with a jewel in the front of the forehead. Well, this represents the light which we draw from the great central sun, this is the outer symbol of our sacred fire, our heart flames love within your brain structure. Mankind does not understand this, and therefore, the people do not give us an opportunity to fill the brain structure with our sacred fire love that enables all the magnificent creative activities of your mighty I am presence and the great cosmic beings to come into your outer use, to create magnificent things that are constructive, and will be a blessing to all life everywhere for eternity. Beloved Elohim of Peace